Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Sandman may have brought us a dream, but it was a nightmare in Lincoln as the addicts fall to their second league defeat of the season. Welcome to Charlton Live. So, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. It's Sunday, the 27th of September. I'm your host for this evening, Tom Wallin, and on tonight's podcast we have got so much to discuss. Unless you've been living underground this weekend, you'll know that Rockstar CEO Thomas Sangard took control of the club on Friday, ending the rollercoaster ride that has been the ESI ownership. The Dane didn't hang around, signing two players in two days after confirmation that our embargo has been lifted, and we'll discuss everything that has taken place over the last three days. We'll also unfortunately have to look at today's defeat to Lincoln. We'll go through your tweets and emails, discuss all things Charlton in what is probably a momentous week in the history of the club. Joining me to do just that is a man who isn't on best terms with Bowyer at the moment after a few public spats on football manager, Nathan Muller. Nathan, how are you doing? 
Yeah, mate, not bad. Just eating, um, just eating some nuts at the moment. But uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. It was a bit of, um, uh, I don't know. It's been a strange couple of days. Um, obviously with the which we're going to with the takeover, and then uh, watching watching that game, <laughs> which was which was an experience. But um, yeah, no, glad to be on. Nice to have um, speak to you again since Thursday. And more importantly, how's your relationship with Boya doing? Still frosty. I'm not going to lie. There was a, <laughs> I've sort of seen a WhatsApp group. He's, he's come out and had a go again. Said the same thing. Um, I asked for your opinion. You went for the more conservative approach. Louis, however, obviously wanted to put a spanner in the works, and so I listened to Louis. And um, I don't think I'm in Bowyer's best book still on the game. He's rather a manager, but um, hopefully we. Can, I'll probably get him in a cup or something. He'll probably headbutt me or something, or call me. Uh, do have a little sort of <laughs> that big old geezer on the touchline or whatever. <laughs> but, well, no, what? yeah, it's. Um, yeah, we'll hear what frosty. he had to say a bit later about uh, a kick in the nuts during today's game, and maybe that's something he was maybe just a little shaded threat to you, yeah, in uh, post match today. Um, and also joining us on tonight's show is making his debut for this season, I believe, is Mr. Benji Cloak. Benji, how you doing? Yes, good, mate. You're right. Yeah, I am feeling making my debut. Um, probably feeling a lot more revitalized this season. I've I've watched the Doncaster game, but. That was my first game I watched this season, but obviously after the news this week, uh, feeling a lot more positive about things. Uh, not not so after the game, but look, we knew it was going to be a tough game. But uh, yeah, definitely feeling a lot more positive this week. Yeah. Good to hear, good to hear. Um, so right, I don't think we can start in any other place than Friday. Uh, just a normal day at work for me. Uh, check in Twitter as you do and at 11.55 Thomas Sangard posts are you ready hashtag sea of red uh, Nath I'll bring you in first at that point I believe mm. both you and Benji were kind of able to keep up with the events of Friday live when that tweet goes out obviously you spoke about it on Thursday and the tweets that he then put out suggesting maybe that if things didn't go the right way he might consider pulling out of the race when you see this on Friday, what it, what is running through your head at that point? Um, I don't know. It's hard, really. I mean, like you said, we on Thursday we um sort of talked about it, and sort of, sort of consensus was that um that it could be take a little bit longer than we obviously wanted it to. But um, yeah, when he sent the when he sent the tweet out, I thought, oh, not not again. Is he making a rod for his own back? Um, but then obviously all of us were on. What's happened? That and things were sort of grumbling and thinking. Well, maybe it isn't. And then there was, you know, it was still coming through. And then I was still waiting for, you know, the official thing to come out. Um, but yeah, I think at the beginning it was still disbelief, not disbelief, but obviously joy. But um, that's there's sort there's there's got to be a catch or something. Um, that catch hasn't happened yet. Um, even the next day I woke up and I thought, did that actually happen? And yeah, I think it's still only starting to sink in now as soon as obviously the signings got announced on uh, yesterday. Um, that's when it started sinking in. But it's just amazing really how quick things can change in life, which you know we'll go on to some sad news later, but how quickly things can change from five minutes waking up on Friday morning, being in the same, same old state of what Charlton is and then... In, a, in an instant everything's changed and all of the last seven years it's in the rear view now and we can focus on going forward and it was just a bit surreal 
Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, it was just nice to see posit- positivity on the on the timeline from all Charlton fans. And I think for me, it's just a shame that, that the situation we're at the moment with not going to football and stuff. It's happened then because imagine the, the you know the next home game, which I think Sunderland on Saturday. I think um, you know the club shop probably would have got a lot more money, and it just would have been amazing. But um, it's not to be. But it's a it's a step in the right direction. That's for sure. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones to be there last week uh, against Doncaster when he when he came out and sat in the director's box and the reaction to him then, even with just a thousand people in there, was was pretty special, uh, as he said himself. Um, Twelve oh five, so ten minutes later, he's kept people guessing and he tweets again: "Let's do this." hashtag CAFC hashtag Charlton fans hashtag wearing red with him in a Charlton shirt playing guitar. Now we've laughed about the. Rockstar CEO approach, but there's a second tweet in 10 minutes there that seems to suggest he knows something we don't. Benji, again, I'll bring you in here. You were keeping up to things kind of up to the minute as well. You see these two tweets go through. What's running through your head at this point? Yeah, I was on a few WhatsApp groups and a few messages going about saying, have you seen what he's writing? Uh, And again, what Nave said, it it did seem really surreal. Uh, Like, because... I listened to your show on Thursday, although I wasn't on it, and um, I was kind of thinking, "Whoa, like we're all a bit, we're all quite down here now, aren't we? We're all kind of thinking." He's after his tweets in the week. We all seemed a bit like, "Oh, is this actually going to go through?" Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He's got to the point where he's meeting with Roland, well, living to Turk, and he just can't seem to smash out a deal. And then suddenly, this happened, and. Yeah, feel, felt quite surreal. And look, fair play to him. He he come over to this country a couple times and kept trying to smash through these barriers to to get it through quicker than. I mean, look at the Aussies; they seem to take forever trying to get through it. But look, he's got through it in quick time. And when those messages came through, it, as Nave said, it did seem quite surreal. Well, wow, is this happening? Is this happening today? And are we going to see transfers, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But yeah, like when that first came through 10 minutes after, I thought, wow, how is this going to happen, really? <laughs> how is he going to get it done? And and that was the thing, because this is a man who several times over the past few weeks and maybe even months now has said, you know, I'm confident of getting a deal done. This is a deal I'm going to get sorted. It's going to be this week. It's going to be this week. And we know we've had the court cases that have obviously delayed things a bit. And when the latest one came in last week and whenever it was a couple of weeks ago and said the trial was set for November. It seemed it seemed impossible, although there was always this rumour of a loophole that would, would get him through. And I don't think we'll talk too much on the legalities of it at the moment. But 10 minutes later, as you say, everything feels very surreal. No one really knows what to believe. There's still nothing on the official site, which is what we've always said when it's on the official site. But then he posts an open letter to Charlton fans. Uh, and that appears again on his Twitter feed originally. And it says, Today's the day. We did the impossible. We triumphed and we made it to this point because of you. Thank you for your passion, your perseverance and your patience. There is no club without you. We are Charlton Athletic Football Club. From early on, I felt we were in this together. I'm humbled by your support and honoured to officially become part of the Charlton family. The Charlton community is one of a kind. You welcomed and embraced this change of hands with more openness than many others would have given uh, would have given your history. Thank you for standing up for what you believe in. I will not let you down. Cheers to each of you. Cheers to Charlton. I assure you we are just getting started. We are London's club. This week and every week we will cheer for Charlton. Sincerely, Thomas Sangard, proud owner of CAFC. 
I'll come back to you, Nath. Again, still nothing on the official site at this point, but you read that again. Just what's going through your head then? Um, uh, <laughs> it was still. <laughs> I know it's it, maybe maybe it's because we've been burnt before, but again, it was surely you know this is good, but surely you do. I was expecting that, and then something in tandem with this with the site, and then there was a bit of a. A time lapse, obviously, because of whatever reason. But um, yeah, I mean, I was still. They were still, you know. I think I was being. I think I was sent about five different messages on WhatsApp or something with that with that that passage that you just read out, and um, I was still a bit dubious. I was like, well, anyone can say that, really. I'm not saying he's lying about it, but I'd still rather weigh it until obviously the guys at the club um, put something out, but. Yeah, that's when you when you first start thinking, is it actually really over? It's all of this stuff, you know, all the hard work that's gone in from, you know, from from um, obviously Thomas and his team, and you know, all the all the parties involved, all, all the stuff that's gone on at the club, which I'm sure there's many many things that that, that obviously that's gone on, um, and uh, you know, all the all the suffering that the, the fans have had, and and all the work that a lot of fans have done to try and you know put a lot of um, limelight really on the club and and in recent weeks and months and maybe it has actually come to fruition and I mean it's obviously worked in, in a way because the deal's over the line now and it's now been announced but I mean it was still a bit of a pinch yourself moment because it's it's, it's hard to explain because with the last seven years so on these shows which has been so what's the word there's been shows which it's, we've done it and it's not been nice because it's just that negative vibe. Whereas now you can actually look forward and go, this actually could be positive. We can look at the football now. We can concentrate. Let the guys do the the back bit of the club. You know, let let Bowyer focus on the team, which it sounds like he's going to be able to do now. We'll focus on the football. We ain't every show. It's not about ownership. It's about win, lose, or draw. What was the football like? That's what everyone wants to hear. No one wants to hear about legal spiel and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was just. I can't. It was just like a massive grey cloud that just seemed to be drifting slowly away, and then obviously the club brought it out, um, obviously officially, and then um, without sounding a bit, you know, cliche, the blue sky started appearing, you know, and um, it's a start. Um, nothing's going to happen overnight, and I think we all need to recognise that it's not going to happen overnight. I know we've made two signings, and we had a poor performance today, but it's not an overnight project. You know, and I think that's what we're all going to be impatient because we all just want to get back to where we were and understand that. But it's going to be a long process. But um, and yeah, but it's something to look forward to now. It's one hundred percent something to look forward to. We'll talk a little bit about his his long term plan in, in a few moments. Um, you referenced it there, but twenty minutes after he posted that letter, the club post a sand timer with his guitar photo saying "Enter Sandman." And then four minutes later, they post the open letter and that's it. It's on the official site. Um, we, ha- we have seen people take control of the official site and, and say that they've taken over before. But for once, it, it seemed like everyone was in, in unison. And Nath makes a good point there, Benji. And it's something that Thomas references in his letter as well about the fans and the part they have played in getting this deal over the line. And in obviously, in the years since Roland has come in, fans have done very different things I think in protest to the ownership some have continued to go some have stayed away there have been protests on the pitch there have been protests off the pitch there have been people traveling to Belgium 
there's been lots of different things and it it feels like over the past few years that those different factors if you like although the aim for everyone has been to get Roland out of the club those different things have felt a little bit separate from each other perhaps but the protests we've seen over the past few months uh you know even up into standing outside Screwfix you know protesting at the EFL barging into Farnell's office everything that's happened in the past few months feels like a united front against the ownership or ESI to make sure that we could get Thomas in. How much of a part do you think fans have played in getting the club back? And obviously not for the first time, but to get the club back under an ownership who hopefully can take us forward. How much do you think the fans deserve credit for that? Oh, I think the fans deserve massive credit from it. Sometimes you think, look, there's only so much we can do, but making it a massive claim out there that this is what's happening to our club was just unfair, really. I think you look at the way Roland ran the club and look, that that really, that was out of our hands, but we had a wealthy guy running our club. I mean, look what happened. You had Chris Powell there managing the club and players turning up. So we, we had players turning up. He was uh, spending money, but the way he was spending money was, was the wrong way because we had players turning up. Chris Powell didn't even know who they were, what they were. So in, in that respect, it started off and we thought, oh, praise Roland. We were, we were at a bad point at the club and he was bringing in players. Uh, uh, Peter Prasiska, I remember, I think he was the highest paid player at the time, uh, the transfer fee. And we thought things looked good then, didn't we? I think that was a case of, OK, let, let's see what happens. But in this case, it was just it looked just totally unfair, looked totally against what the EFL should stand for. Uh, where we had these guys literally just just coming into the club just just to make a quick buck out out of us, and there we've got Lee Bowyer, Steve Gallen, Johnny Jackson, who this literally is is the best news for in my opinion. The guys that have been working at the club under the worst circumstances, and these guys look crying out, going, "Come on, look, can't you see what's happening? I'm trying to trying to work under the embargo." I mean. That was the main reason we got relegated, and and fans have just have gone the extra mile. They've they've protested outside of Screwfix, as you say. In the past, we've gone to Belgium. We've done a massive campaign on Twitter, uh, which has definitely caught the eye. I've had some mates of mine who follow me on Twitter that actually didn't know what was happening at the club at the time. That we really were close to going out of existence before Farnell was removed as a director. Uh, the fans, yeah, I mean, look, we, us three know that we live and breathe this club. Like, comes, like, Saturday afternoon, we're, we're buzzing for the game. We can't wait for it to start. Come Sunday, we brush ourselves down. Monday morning, we're, we're ready again for Saturday. We're thinking, what's the result going to be? So, yeah, I think it was echoed on social media a lot that they picked the wrong fans. And, and we showed them. We showed them that. And we, we kept protesting and... Um, I think it's a bit of a miracle that Tom, someone like Thomas has, has showed up and kind of got these lawyers in and, and gone, here we go, I'll, I'll work out a way of getting this club. And, and long may that continue. Like, fair play to him for getting it underneath these guys because it didn't seem like happening otherwise. But yeah, the fans have played a huge part in it. And um, hopefully, as Thomas has seen, the last fans are ready to back him. And uh, and hopefully he'll back Bowyer and, and we can go forward from here. 
Yeah, um, Twitter on Friday afternoon for once as a Charlton fan was a nice place to be. Obviously, everybody celebrating. The WhatsApp groups went into meltdown. I was very emotional about the whole thing and I know I wasn't alone in that. Um, Sangard starts popping up on TalkSport. We saw a photo of him and Ben Ransom for Sky, who's been tracking this very closely. Rich Corley has a word with him. The club do the interview, which you can see on Valley Pass. Um, and we'll just hear a brief clip now from, from BBC London, I think. So you can hear the whole interview on their streaming service. But in this clip here, Thomas explains what he's going to do differently from all those who have come before him. Well, I have a very clear strategy for how we uh, we're going to get there, and it's it's, it's going to take a lo- uh, about eleven, maybe twelve years uh, to get there, uh, to, to to get to the point where we uh, we're beginning to play European football. So it's not an an, an overnight thing, um, and a very clear path as to how to get there. The, the good news is uh, Lee Boyer and I we uh, we communicate really well, and we are totally on the same page in in, in terms of how to build the team from here. And, and to a premiership level. Uh, so that is, uh, that's already out of the way. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, uh, unlike the, uh, the the premier's owners, obviously Roland Duchatelet uh, had the financial means to to invest uh, in, in, in the club if, if, if he wanted to. Um, he was involved in many other things, other football clubs too. So, so I, I think uh, the strategy when he came to, to Charleston came, uh, became a little diluted and, and muddy it. Um, obviously, in, in, in my case, I would have the financial strength and uh, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, it's 100% dedicated to, to build the club. It's got a fantastic foundation and I, I, I know that uh, you two guys know, <laughs> know about that already. Um, and it's, it, you know what, this is, this is not too complicated. So I'm, I'm actually not too worried. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's about focusing on, on, on the club. Make sure we, uh, we also listen to the fans because if, if there's any club in England that where the fan base uh, is, is very vocal and, 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 and supportive behind the team, um, both in, in form of numbers but also in, in terms of how vocal they are, that, that, that's, that's Charlton. And it's, it's amazing. So we'll, we'll absolutely make sure that, um, that, that we listen to the fans. Uh, we, we won't ignore that. that. That might be one of the things that, that didn't go so well here in the past. Will you bring in a CEO, Thomas, to run the, the football club on the ground, do you think? Um, I've, I've been looking at uh, a lot of that, uh, obviously, leading up to this um, and uh, getting get, getting into it, getting to know it. Um, what I'm, I'm seeing is that uh, we have uh, changed the, uh, the, the bylaws so that uh, there's, there's only one member of the board of directors to begin with, and I will uh, personally also... Uh, get in and be the CEO. That this is the kind of stuff I'm good at, uh, regardless of of industry, is to to come in and and, and simplify things, see see what's really really going on and what's needed, and you probably um, just add one too many layers of of, of delay and 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 and, and a risk of uh, miscommunication. So I'll, I'll be in there. Um, just trying to to work with what we have and and just slowly over the next many years uh, tweak things. Uh, It's really just a a matter about tweaking the dials uh, to to make sure that we remove bottlenecks and and miscommunication and and, and get the right kind of philosophy. And that's really my responsibility to, to bring a culture that that, that, that really is what the type of culture that I represent. Bring that into the club and, and make sure we all are moving in the right direction. If this organization, whether it's the uh, the football side that's led by Lee, Lee Boyer 
or and and, and Steve Gallen, uh, or it's just the staff. If 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 we all are running in the same direction, uh, we're going to make miracles happen. So there you go, then Thomas Sangard talking about stability, talking about bringing the ground and the training ground together, and the long term plan. Um, Nath, he talks about wanting to be involved and he's installed himself as the CEO. Uh, he wants to be very hands-on and he says that, you know, it's his skill set that he's had in in other things that he's done and simplifying it. I think, you know, the answer to this question I already know, but how important is stability after everything that's come before us? And is that the most important thing now? I know you talked about the fact that, look, we're all wanting promotion and we're all wanting to, to move ahead and we'll talk about his longer-term plan in a second, but... For the moment, given everything that's happened over the past few months and years, is it just a bit of stability and an owner who takes a bit of interest and pride in the club? Yeah, of course it is. I think he's he, he elaborated quite a lot on you know stability and you know his vision. Which yeah, we'll that we'll wait and see on that. But I mean, he's the way he talks about the stability is a key thing for me. He also mentioned in the um, in the interview with Ollie on the on the site in terms of. Uh, it was a learning curve. He, you know, he st- said he's still learning. He's learning a lot. Um, he went round, you know, the club and spoke to many different people, um, learning, you know, what they do. And and straight away, you're thinking, well, you know, he, he's something different than what we've had before. You know, looking at the other owners we've had with the two percent sort of quote and all that sort of nonsense. But he he does look like he wants stability, and he does come across as. Look, I mean, obviously, we was talking about it with. When you said um, when you was there for the Donny game, uh, and he got an ovation, and he was emo- you could see he was emotional when he was choked up, even in the interviews, you know, with the Ben Ransom one uh, on Sky, uh, you know, he just said it was one of his best days of his life, and for someone to say that, that he, anyone can say it, I know they can, but you can tell by the way he says it, the way he looks, he actually means it, and um, I think the stability for us right now is something that we need um, especially after the last few seasons um, we've gone through the mire a little bit obviously Wembley obviously ex- excluding the Wembley because obviously that was a mad you know a mad day but um, we do need that stability now and I think it's time to let Bowyer manage the team and improve the players is what he's, what he's paid to do he has he shouldn't be Bowyer shouldn't be having to juggle the back the backroom staff Um you know, that'll be down with Thomas and obviously Steve Gallen. Um, and yeah, I think he will bring stability and let Bowyer do what he's good at. Um, and it just seems like a, a fresh start. And, I, you know, I'll say again, it's it's not a it's not a one-week project. Um, it's not going to change overnight, but it's something that we all, every single one of us, every one of the listeners, every single fan, whether they protested or not, they wanted to get in this position and we're in it now. So... Um, enjoy the moment, you know, and it's gonna be um, it's gonna be a, a bumpy ride. You'll have down days and up days, like everything. But stability is is what I think Thomas will bring, um, and yeah, we can look forward to it. Yeah, he talks about his longer term plan as well. Um, he's got obviously the training ground in the valley. I think are still being leased from Roland, but on a longer term lease that hopefully again gives some stability to that, and hopefully at some point he can look to bring those under his ownership as well. Let's talk about his long-term plan because we, you know, we can't stay away from it. You'll have heard in the intro there the uh, the Champions League theme tune, a little bit in jest, but that is where he's aiming now. You know, he sees us as a sleeping giant and and thinks that in the next ten to fifteen years we could be 
pushing mid-table, maybe upper part of the table in the Premier League. Benji, like as a fan, obviously you dream of, of that again. And we've had the years in the Premier League. Obviously, all of us have been lucky enough to see some of that. But realistically, we have seen it happen with teams make the step up from League One and, and go through those relatively quickly. 15 years is a long time in football. I don't think we can predict it. But do you have confidence in Thomas as someone who can be taken seriously with that aim? Because, you know, we have been burnt a few times before. Do you have any reservations at all? Or are you fully on the Sangar bandwagon and ready to to be going away to the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid in 10 or 15 years' time? <laughs> no, um, definitely reservations. Uh, you've got to say that stuff when you come in. Look, if you don't have goals like that, then what's the point of getting involved in a club? Uh, but yeah, as you said, we've all been around lucky, uh, lucky enough. We've all been around to see us in the Premier League. And look, that came from a lot of stability at the club. That came from us knocking on the door, uh, 96, 97, 98, and finally getting through the playoffs and, and winning. But then look, we got relegated again and we came back again. That came from a lot of stability uh, in the club, in the boardroom. Uh, so it needs that. It needs him now to... I know, as you said earlier, he's appointed himself as CEO at the moment. It needs him to be able to appoint people underneath him to make the right decisions. So under Roland, we had Catrienne, uh, which I don't feel that she realised the enormity of her job at the time. Uh, so I think he needs to chat with someone like Peter Varney and ask him how he did it at the club when he was at the club. A very stable, a very stable time. Uh, just talk to heads around the club. Look, Keith Peacock's around the club. Talk to him. He was the assistant manager at the club when, when we did well. Uh, but yeah, look, he said the right things. Now we're, we're all so cautious thinking, okay, we've heard this before. Um, I'm not sure if Roland said the Champions League thing, but look, we've heard this before from people. Let's just have some stability for a while. We don't need you to chuck millions at the club. Oh, papering over the cracks we need to do that slowly step by step talk to uh Boya, talk to jacko talk to steve gallon and think right where can we improve this season we've got what a couple of weeks i think we get a little bit extra for the transfer window maybe pick up some freeze here and then but let's build on this season okay we haven't started the best but we never were going to under the circumstances we're in and just try and slowly pick up now. we've There's a lot to paper. There's a lot of cracks in the club, as I said. We need to slowly just get there. Um, but yeah, great words so far. Look, we've taken to him. He seems um, the best of what was out there. And it does seem a bit surreal that he did want to get into our club when, when so many others tried and, and weren't successful. So not on the bandwagon yet because we've seen it before, but let's definitely a lot more positive about him than, than many others. And even in his interview uh, the other day, he did reference the fact that actions speak louder than words, which is something we've said about a lot of the previous owners who have who have come and gone very quickly. Um, he has made some actions already, as I mentioned in the intro. Uh, the embargo was immediately lifted and he moved quickly to secure two signings. Nath, I'll bring you in first to talk about the first one. Ben Watson um, from mm -hmm. Nottingham Forest for the season. 35, I think he is now, so experienced head, but some player to bring in at, at League One level. Uh, what do you make of that signing, first of all? Uh, well, very shrewd one. 
Um, I think he played in all but one of Forest's games last year, and they were they missed out literally on the last game of the season. So he's a season pro, scored in the FA Cup final against. Um, I think it was against Man City. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, obviously he's a local lad. Obviously played at Palace. Um, he still lives around the area. Um, so he's probably a move which has sort of felt nice, you know, fell quite nicely for him as well, coming back down to London. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a very, I think what we did lack at some points, especially last year, if you think back, the amount of late last minute goals that we conceded, um, not saying, you know, he's going to prevent that, but when you're looking around the pitch and, you know, if Piercy was... Piercy weren't there or if Pratt's weren't available you know we didn't really have you know a team of leaders um, and I think that he brings that um, whether or not uh, Watson and Prattley will be one of each or if Prattley might slot into defence like he did today and he'll come on I don't know but um, I think it's a great signing for this for this level because um, I'm pretty sure he probably would have had um some offers from championship clubs, especially ones that have just been promoted to the to the championship. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a great signing for us. Um, plays it simple, um, tenacious. You know, he gets about. He's smart. He knows how to play the game. Um, even today, I mean, he made a tactical foul when we were we were cut open at one point because of the position of of Jake. But um, it's things like that where you don't really notice it. Um, but he's reading of the game and. Uh, at this level, it's a, it's a very, very, very good signing. And, um, yeah, it's quite... I don't know how they did it. I don't know. Obviously, Steve's got good relationships across the across his network. But, you know, it's a great little signing for us. And be looking forward to seeing him play. The only game that he didn't probably play so well last year was when Ozzy sort of tore him apart against Forest. But when, when uh, we probably played our best last year. But, no, great signing for, for League One level, for sure. Excellent stuff. And, and Benji Akim Fainwo uh, came in on loan from Norwich. We all know that we, we need defenders and, and probably still do. And he, he's a youngster, so he's someone who's learning. So perhaps not the the experience, but based on today's performance in particular, he looks as a, a very assured player on the ball. I think he can be fairly pleased with his debut. Um, and another signing to hopefully strength, strengthen the back four to take a bit of the pressure off the likes of Prattley having to play there or, or young Charlie Barker. So another good signing to get through the door early on, you'd think. Yeah, I guess people are a bit underwhelmed with that because we I, I can't say I've ever heard of him before. But going by today's performance, I was really impressed by him. He didn't shy away. He kept wanting the ball from goal kicks. Um, he seemed quite assured on the ball. I can't say he was involved in, in us conceding any of the goals today, but... Yeah, good good debut. I I've got a, f- a few family members that are from Norwich, so I I texted one of them and he he immediately texted me back and he said, "Yeah, that guy's our future. Really good centre back." And uh, I know Norwich's academy has done really well over the last few years, and uh, I think a few have been bought in this window. You've also had I think Barcelona after one of their right backs at the moment. So he's come from a good academy, and and look at what we do with loan players. I mean. Is going by last season, Leco and Gallagher, just to name two of them, done really well, and and now Gallagher's in the Premiership. Leco's uh, been signed up by Birmingham, so look, we do well with loan players, but getting in a centre back early doors from Sangar coming in is good because that was the main position 
with Jason Pierce out injured, practically slotting in, as you said. Um, he's a big guy, looked uh, like quite a muscly guy. I don't you, you need those kind of players in League One because it's that kind of league where um, you need some strength. You're going to get bustled about there. But yeah, good promising debut by him, I, I must say. Excellent stuff. So hopefully this spells the end of ESI. Uh, Rich Corley tweeted on Friday that Paul Elliott probably isn't going to go quietly. Uh, and obviously the court case is upcoming. Um, but let's just very quickly discuss the roller coaster that has been ESI. I'll bring you in first, Nath. What's What's been your highlight of their regime? I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on and I'll list some of them. Which one? <laughs> yeah, what, what are you going to go for first? Oh, jeez. I don't know how long we got. Is this a four-hour special? Is it? Um, I don't. Know. I think there's there was a few quotes, weren't there? Really? I think um, the Premium League. I don't know what what league that is, but that sounds interesting. Wherever that is, probably the Moon or something. But um, that was one. Uh, I think obviously the the Range Rovers and the Beeps um, probably is probably up there. But I just think the whole. I mean, obviously at the time it weren't fun. it was funny, but it wasn't. But now you can laugh at it because it's done. But there was so much. Um, I think like the deadline day where they spent about, when he went down Poundland, old Matt Southall went down Poundland and bought a couple of you know a couple, couple of packs of Brannigans and some Frazzles and some <laughs> I don't know Tango or whatever it was. But but yeah, and it was just you know the super duper phone. Like it was just, the super duper phone when we was in under an embargo, it just makes a, such a mockery of it, doesn't it? But um, there was so much of it, um, it's just hard. To, like even now, I'm trying to think, but they're the ones that stick out in my mind. But I don't know if Benji's got any more, but I'm sure loads of fans are probably tweeting it now <laughs> with loads of different ones. But um, yeah, no, I think the premium Luke and the super duper phone on transfer deadline stuck out for me as the funnier ones, shall we say? I'll bring you in in a second, Benji. I mean, Southall. There was rumours of Southall hiring a hitman at one point. There was his hundred pound haircut. Uh, apparently, he told some people that they, he was going to organise a friendly against Barcelona. Uh, he got chairman spray painted on the on the car park, but spelt it wrong. Um, Tanoon on Insta, just in general, was good fun. Uh, the night, obviously, in the boardroom, I've got. Southall claiming his Twitter was hacked. Um, Southall going on TalkSport and getting ripped by Simon Jordan. Uh, Benji, I don't know if you can think of any others or maybe I've covered it all, but what was your favourite moment of the ESI era? The bit that I got most excited about, which I think most fans did, was when he went on Sky Sports News and said he'd met up with um, Darren McAntony, the Peterborough chairman, and said, oh, yeah, I mean, oh, of course we've chatted about those two players, i.e. Eve Antonia and Marcus Madison. And we're like, wow, we, what, we're going to get these two guys in? This will be amazing. Oh, yeah, of course I've chatted about them, but, well, I can't chat too much yet. And you had Dara McAntony actually saying on Twitter at the time, oh, yeah, we did speak about it. And it's like, we're under an embargo, mate. And Tony's ended up going Brentford for £10 million. <laughs> And we, uh, Southall's only put in a pound. It's like unbelievable. He was just living in a dreamland. I mean, really was. And I think you've you guys have mentioned it so well enough already. I also remember the. Uh, do you remember he did a little competition on Twitter saying, "Oh, um, I'll give away a prize to anyone who can guess the next signing." It's. I remember oh, that. Uh, yeah, and the answer was a guy that QPR weren't playing, who was on loan from Man City, and no one had heard of. We, I mean. Unbelievable. I really do think the guy was living in the dreamland sometimes because 
how on earth could we have signed Madison and Tony when we had no money to sign them with? <laughs> and we're under an embargo. So, yeah, as, as Nave said, you look back now and you can laugh, but at the time it was thoroughly depressing. <laughs> Tom, so, yeah, I remember, Tom, with your... Uh, you, I've I mentioned it on Twitter the other day about the Simon Jordan thing. I watched it again, um, watched it again last night, and... Uh, it was just so funny because it was such a simple question. Simon Jordan was like, well, so who's bridging the funding gap? And then Matt Southall's like, oh, Simon, mate, it's it's quite, a, it's, quite, it's quite difficult to answer. And Simon was like, well, no, because it's either someone's put money in and writing checks or it's funded by its own cash flow, isn't it? And he was like, no, nah, it's not as easy as that. And Simon's like, yeah, it is, mate. <laughs> it's one of two. You've only got you've two options. That's, all right, mate. It was just funny at the time, but it just shows, doesn't it? Like, really, it's just quite embarrassing, really. But, um, but obviously, looking at his LinkedIn profile, he's an experienced football executive, isn't he? So, um, good luck to your next venture, wherever that may may be. Hopefully, you don't get one because um, it wasn't very fun for any of us at Charlton. So, played his part in the uh, sale to Thomas Sangard, Matt Southall. I think we'll draw a line under it there for the first time in in years. We can draw a positive line under a. Uh, takeover and ownership discussion we're going to have a quick break here on chart and live uh, and when we come back unfortunately we've got to discuss some some sad news about the passing of another member of the the chart family we'll be back in a couple of minutes say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across, Bowers there, pierces there, Bowers with a header. And it's Joe! Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Dreamland! Charlton have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be here! Here at Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live! So welcome back to Charlton Live on Sunday the 27th of September. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, Lincoln defeat in a second. Uh, but before we do, uh, I referenced it just before the break. Uh, we were all saddened to hear about the passing of Steve Clark yesterday following a short battle with, with cancer. Uh, a supporter for over 50 years, 
Steve was chair of the CAFC Supporters Club in the early 90s, a huge part of the Valley campaign that eventually saw our return to SE7, uh, subsequently the first supporter director of CAFC, serving on the board I think for two or three years in the early 90s, uh, a supporters trust member and chair. He was at the forefront of attempts to engage in dialogue with Roland. Uh, he represented the trust in a number of areas over the years, an immensely popular figure. Uh, anyone who was at the Woolwich Town Hall meeting a few years ago to discuss the club will remember he was there trying to control a, a group of Charlton fans who were, were very, very angry. Um, the outpouring of emotion across Twitter just in the short space of time in the past few days just shows what a character he was um, and the thoughts of everyone at Charlton Live are with Steve's family, friends and colleagues during this difficult time. Uh, we're going to take another quick break uh, and then we will start to, to look ahead to the Lincoln game. Space on the right-hand side for Alfie Doughty now in the penalty area. This is a huge chance for the Alex and it's Alfie Doughty who puts Charlton into the lead with a calm left-footed finish. It was a wonderful fall through to the youngster and he pulled it in onto his left foot and slides it beyond the goalkeeper. It's crew Alexandra Neal, Charlton Athletic 1. Charlton Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live. As I say, uh, unfortunately, we do have to talk about today's defeat to Lincoln 2-0 away uh, up in Lincolnshire. Uh, very quickly, Benji, I'll bring you in first. You've seen the game. Probably wasn't our best, but not the most important thing that's happened to the club this weekend. What did you make of the performance? Uh, first half, I thought we played well. Uh, similar story with having good chances and not taking them. Uh, and also a similar story of getting round the box and just not knowing what to do with it. No one who can make that clinical pass. Uh, pleased that Zuma started uh, because I feel like we did need someone like that playing him or Johnny starting to just bring us that creativity in the middle, uh, just behind the front three. Uh, but yeah, look, Connor had that chance after four minutes. If he take that just goes wide at the post, he takes that, then that's a massive change in the game. But look, they've won both of their games going into this game. Uh, I listened to a lot of um, previews for the season coming up and a lot of people touted Lincoln to have a good season. I think they're um, a good side under Michael Appen and we knew it was going to be a tough game, especially with the uh, with our squad at the moment, especially at the back. Um but first half, I, I thought we played well. I thought it was just a case of, again, not, not taking our chances. And obviously, I'm sure we'll go into talking about it in a minute, the big contentious decision. But conceding the goal just before half-time is obviously the worst thing that can happen. Um, but yeah, just frustrating first half, I'd say. Very frustrating. Not for the first time this season. We didn't take our chances. Uh, I think we'll have a quick listen to the highlights now. So this is the highlights of the game up in Lincoln. Uh, your commentators for the game on Valley Pass were, of course, Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley. Good touch from Ayoma, but it runs into uh, Washington. It's a goal. Oh, it's a glorious charge from Washington. It was Ayoma with the header that went backwards. Washington pounced on it, cut inside, and that shot looked like it was destined for the right-hand corner, went just past the post. Uh, allows 
the ball to go back to Amos, who sends it forward. Bond doesn't get there, but it'll run through to Doughty. He's got Washington ahead of him. Doughty still in possession, goes for the shot under pressure. And uh, Doughty is saying illegal pressure. Referee's not having any of it, and it's a goal kick to this uh, break cut. That's a sliding tackle from Prattley. Referee lets it go. Surprise for me, but Doughty then picks out Ostermer, edge of the penalty area. Ostermer on his left foot, takes the shot, palmed away in Washington's path. Can he turn? He can't get it under control, but maybe Doughty can in the penalty area. On the left-hand side, behind him is Purrington. Purrington, back to Doughty again, takes his man on. Ball, great cross in, because go beyond everybody and find Barker. Can't bring it down, can't find the space for a shot, trying to make it. Little chip ball back, headed clear. And then Brigcut completes the clearance, but only as far as Oshelaja. Oshelaja, touch to his right and Levitt. Levitt's got Barker outside on the touchline. Right-hand side, little ball into Osterman, gets it back, Barker. Levitt, now ball into the box for Washington that's a lovely ball and he's onside but there's nobody close back across to Bond can he get it under control McCauley Bond tees it up takes the shot Ostermer but it's blocked away but Charlton still have it with Levitt piling on the pressure Prattley out to Doughty on this left hand side clears it out of play for a Charlton throw which Perrington will take throws forward to Bond holds up the ball reverse ball picks out Perrington crossing opportunities inside the penalty area now Perrington on a bit of a run he's still got it the Charlton left back being forced out wide to Doughty Doughty ball in the box a decent look one towards the far post and Ostuma heads that down Washington can again get the control win pulls it back but it's cleared away and as far as Prattley with a shot uh, it's a half difficult half volley that goes uh, harmlessly wide out for a goal kick Plenty of bodies on the edge of the pounds here, and movement now. Ostuma drills it towards the far post. Levitt strikes. Oh, it takes the deflection Corner. off a Lincoln player's goal bound as well I from Dylan like Levitt. I'd to know if that was on target because I'm not sure the keeper was getting across if he was. Caught it well. He's evidently doing something good in training. Charlton take the corner short this time. Doughty backwards to Levitt again in space. It's a poor first touch. It's an awkward hit. He hits it. It's a deflection. Oh, just wide. Dear, oh dear. The first touch wasn't the best from Levitt, but he hit it really well and took a deflection. Could have gone anywhere and just creeps past the post, Charlton corner. The pressure Doughty has done well to evade the challenge of Bridcut. Now needs to try to find an outlet. It's a good interception from Lincoln that comes forward to Anderson. It's a great challenge from Prattley. And now Doughty on the run. Doughty, born in the box. Oh, it might work his way to Ostrom. It has Ostumer onto his right foot. Ostumer shoots. It's a block. A great block as well by Jackson. Ostumer got it out of his feet onto his right foot. Didn't hit it too cleanly, but still goal bound and a goal saving block. That'd be nice left by Jackson. Charlton growing in this game. Chance after chance at the moment. And it's then we have the corner. Ostumer short to Levitt onto his left foot. It's been forced backwards by Lincoln all the way to Barker. And chip it in towards the far post. Perrins is second again oh. on the end of it. He heads oh. wide. That's a chance. It is a He's chance. I thought he was offside as well. Too. He was onside. It's free kick from Grant. It's a decent looking delivery and it's all oh, missed oh, everyone at the back post. Oh, the referee's given a penalty. What? The referee must have spotted something that I, I didn't see at first glance. Is, is it a pull? P push on someone. One added minute given here just as Lincoln awarded a penalty. Those are the benefits of replays can, see, can tell us what they might have spotted. As Grant with the free kick, uh, it was a dangerous ball into the box. Whether there was a pull back or oh, Prattley was uh, really was see. the one that was tackling. I think it was Hopper, and uh, can only think that's the that's the challenge he's given it for. And it's George Grant with the penalty for Lincoln just before half time. Referee blows his whistle. 
Grant steps up, and it's a oh, save by Ben Omos. The rebound, he'll come back he's to Grant. Offside. He's, he's offside, he's got to be offside. He has to be offside. claims of offside. He has Charlton, to be. The Charlton players are furious. How can he not be? There's a deflection off of Anderson, and Grant taps it in. And the referee and the linesman are going to discuss this. Whether he doesn't realise that's come back off of Anderson, it certainly looks offside on first glance. Cholna absolutely furious with the linesman. It's whether he was level, but... He it has to be offside, doesn't he? They've given the goal. Oh, man. And I, I don't know what the discussion was. If, if the player's in an offside position, he has to be offside. Anderson gets a touch on the ball. He's, he's unless there was a Charlton player at the far post that was playing him on again we haven't got the benefits of, of replays Charlton are absolutely furious they're probably furious with the original penalty decision they're probably furious that that is not offside controversy here as Beno must save the penalty and Darren Prattley is still furious with the referee Grant has to go backwards to Grant. Grant, the customer in front of him, looks for the big switch across to the far side of Anderson. Anderson, ball into the box. It's a dangerous one, and Grant can only get there, but steer it comfortably wide of the post, to be honest. But a dangerous ball in that uh, needed any sort of touch. Oshelaja and Levitt combined from the throw and it's into Ostomer again Ostomer looking for options none immediately available he rides one challenge and then lovely ball out to Purrington on the left hand side instant ball into the box looking for runners and it just couldn't run through to Washington cleared away by Jackson it'll be a Charlton throw on the far side Oshelajo meets the, uh, the free kick on the edge of the penalty area and that is the final whistle bit of a case of after the Lord Mayor show for the addicts so there we go then, Nath, the, the highlights, if you can call them that, of the game. Benji <laughs> said it before the highlights, a game of missed chances. And in those highlights there, I think five of the seven minutes were, were chances that took took place in the first half. Um, and really, as Benji said, we just, again, didn't take our chances in a game where, where neither side dominated. Um, it always felt like their best chance was going to come from a set piece, and that's what happened. Um, and we'll come to the goal in a second, but... Yeah, just, again, too many missed chances from our side. Yeah, of course. I think, um, so we were saying it on Twitter earlier, that they were only going to score from a set piece, which they did. Both of their goals were through set pieces, I think. It was a corner, I think. But um, difficult, really. It was disappointing, I think. Um, first half, and up in, you know, for the majority of the half, you know, we were on the we were on the attack. We were creating good chances. Like Benji said, you had the Connor, the Connor shot. You had the Purrant and header. You had, a, you know, Dylan had a couple of pops and... You know, we were shadowing Leon Bridcut, so they weren't really getting on the ball and they could only go long and it, we were squeezing them and it was coming straight through either to Deji or to Akin Fenway. So it was, we started well and it's, it's similar to the Donny game where we was in control, we were creating chances and then we conceded the first goal. Um, and obviously the, well, the poor excuse of officiating um, obviously led to the goal. But the, the, the disappointing thing for me is when something like that happens, if anyone plays football, when something like that happens and you think the world's against you, usually it G's you up a bit, you know, and I just thought we could have probably used that um, to probably, not we were, you know, we weren't poor in the second half. We just lacked that bit of, that bit, a bit of quality in the final third and um, I was just disappointed we didn't use that, be aggressive enough 
um, move it quicker. And um, and I think obviously Bose alludes to it in his in his post match about getting another striker in. But it's obviously where we're lacking at the moment. I think the middle, you know, midfield, we're fine. We controlled the game for large large parts of today. Um, but yeah, we just didn't take chances. And if you're going to win this league, or at least do well in it. You're going to need someone who scores, and obviously the last time we were we we were in it, we had we had Carlin, we had Lyle, um, but we ain't now. Um, so people have got to start stepping up and taking the chances because you're not going to get away with it every week. And no disrespect to Lincoln, they're a good side, and you know as Benji says, people a lot of people have said they're going to do well, but you probably will have a lot of other teams. You know, look at our next two games, Sunderland, Ipswich. You you might not get as get as many chances as we did today against those sort of teams. So. We really need to start being a bit more ruthless in front of goal. But despite the fact we didn't take our chances, we'll still feel very, very hard done by to fall behind. Benji, we've seen bad refs at this level before. Uh, We know Terry loves any opportunity to to give a ref an earful from the, the commentary gantry. But the free kick, first of all, was a slightly contentious. The penalty then equally, potentially, possibly couldn't be given. Um, but then the penalty's taken and saved well from Ben Amos and the ball comes back in from the other player and is eventually tapped tapped in for the goal. Um, I mean, how? how? What has happened there for that goal to be given? Over to you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, as I think I've read Bowie's comments after the game, it was just pure guesswork from the linesman. He's literally not in a position. He's, his head's all over the spot. Oh, keeper saved it. Oh, it's come out to him. Oh. Yeah, go on, then we'll give it. It's just you can't, you can't do guesswork. I mean, unbelievable. It was in my eyes. You, you don't really see those kind of penalties given in the first place. I haven't seen too much of a replay of it, but at the time, I think it's Prattley, the nearest guy to him. They go down. Uh, it's a great save by Amos with his feet to flick it up, uh, and at first you're like, yeah, it's getting in there. And then you sit back and go, ah, oh, no, he's offside, surely. And especially the reaction from the team. Um, and, and the ref went over and spoke to the linesman. I mean, what are they asking each other? I mean, it's a ref going, did you see it? Like, were you online at the time? But no, I mean, even the Lincoln player at the time, you look, when it goes in, he's kind of a bit coy going, yeah, ah, oh, probably, probably not a goal, is it? And then he goes away thinking, oh, oh I have scored. Um, yeah. A kick in the teeth, but as as Bo said, look, the officiating doesn't control us in the final third when we're around. And and as as Nave so rightly said as well, look, that that should have really spurred the bad decision like that. Hopefully, you think it would spur us on to kind of think, oh, look, that was injustice. Let's let's go down second half and and show them why we shouldn't be behind in this game. But we didn't, and and that was the the worst bit about it, really. Nath, VAR comes in for a lot of criticism in the Premier League, particularly mm-hmm. after a couple of the handball decisions we've seen this weekend. I know Bowyer has called for it at the lower levels. It, without VAR, if the referee and the linesman haven't seen it, is there any way that they can change that decision? Because you can't, you can't just go on what the players are saying. They both probably know as they walk off that pitch that they might have made a mistake. But if they haven't seen it, is, is there anything that they can do to, to give us that goal? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I know this ain't a Spurs show. I looked at the Spurs one earlier. Absolute geezer, he's he's backs to the ball. How's he going to see it? The, I think the only way you can do deal with this handball thing is chop your arms off. Honestly, I think it's unbelievable how, how convoluted it's made it. 
Um, but in terms of the decision making, like, listen, it's I'd never be a ref. You know, my old man assesses refs, and I said I'd never do it. I'd never do it. He said it's an hard job. But if the gaze is two yards offside, it's not even like marginal. You can't even go, oh, it's his armpit, or you know, it's his big toe. It's mate, it's two yards. But the thing is, the thing that makes it worse is like you go and talk to the gazer, and they're gonna guess, right? Go and go and guess. But the thing is, is all you need is to just go right. Let's lose use our logic, and Bose sums it up. If you use common sense and logic, you know it's offside. You know it's physically impossible unless you got Usain Bolt. You know it's physically impossible for that not to be offside. But the lineups are plumb. But it is what it is, right? You can't. We can't change it. Like Benji said, that penalty decision. Yeah, it could change the dynamic of the game and it swings momentum. Blah blah blah. But we were poor in, in you know, in both boxes. And um, but I mean, changing the thing is the VAR. Don't I don't you you might get VAR in the championship because you know it's a lot of money to to lose out on and stuff like that. But I'll be amazed if you ever see VAR League One, League Two, National, uh, Vanuatu National. I'll be I'll be amazed. But okay, fine. But decisions like that, that's a, a simple. If you if they just took thirty seconds of right, let's follow this step by step, and just applied logic. Of, you know, just general, not even like football knowledge. It's just logic. It's distances, and like if you if you applied that to that decision, that that decision would never happen. It's nil nil half time, done, sorted. Then we won't be sitting in now. And then obviously the second goal, don't know what Deji was doing, is what it is. And then we didn't defend our lines properly. But I just don't know. You, the only way you're going to get through it is if you. If, is by applying logic, but they're not going to get everything right. We know that, but it's the decisions like that that infuriate fans because it's so obvious. It's so so obvious, and but um, I don't think we. Um, it just seems when we come into this league, it just seems like the standards dropping, you know. But I'm not using that. Like I said, you know, we've all said I'm not using that as an excuse for us losing today because we weren't good enough in the final third. The build-up play was fine, you know. You know, from box to box, going to, going between the lines was fine. It was just that final bit of quality that we lacked, and and that's what lost us the game. Because if we had that, that you know, that composure in front of goal, we would have been probably would have been three nil up by the time that penalty thing happened. Um, but you know, like we, I know it's cliche, but we just have to, you know, forget about today, and then we will just move on to our next two fixtures, which are going to be very, very tricky. You both referenced. Uh, how we started the second half um, and you think those players going off angry at half time as you said earlier Nath you think that would fire them up but we were very sluggish when we came out and Boya tried to change things up he brought Johnny Williams on who took about 10 minutes before he really was able to get a run at, at the uh, Lincoln back four he brought Ben Watson on as well but there was really very little impact by any of the subs I, I didn't think um, Benji I'll bring you back in to, to talk about the second goal Um I mean, a, a, a mistake from Deji Oshalaja, there's no other way to say it, passing it straight out of play. But we don't defend the corner either. And it's a simple header for, for Lincoln's top goal scorer. The man we should, if we're going to mark one player, that should be the man we mark, but we don't. In terms of the mistake, first of all, do you, do you put that down to the fact that Deji hasn't played a lot of football? Ben hasn't played a lot of football? There might not be that communication there? Or is it just an inexcusable mistake and... You can't be making that whatever level of football you're in. Yeah, ah, oh, it's it's as you say, it's a combination of of a lot of things. 
I didn't think Ben had a good game when he came on, Ben Watson. I think he was looked really behind the play, uh, looked quite sluggish. Uh, but that's that's going to be the case. He hasn't played football for a while, like proper football. He might have been training with us for a little while, apparently. But it just, yeah, the the two subs that came on, they're not properly fit yet, Johnny and and uh, and Ben. And hopefully we've got this game coming up in the week against Brighton in the EFL Trophy. These guys can get valuable minutes under their belts and we can try and get a, a team that's match ready. But as you said, Deji didn't feature too much last season. It was poor. It's poor from him. Uh, and, and the markings, even worse. I mean, Ben Watson, again, unfortunately, was marking this guy and he doesn't even jump. He's like literally backtracking and he's got a free header at the far post. And as you said... This is their top scorer. This is the guy we're supposed to be marking at corners. So, yeah, you thought 1-0, we still might snatch a draw. But after that, again, last week against Doncaster, we we give them the first goal. And, and Bo, I'm sure, will be telling them after the game, come on, we've we've given them that goal. We've we've passed it out for a corner. And we've we've not marked them. We've made it too easy for them. And and as we said earlier, Lincoln are a force to be reckoned with in this league this season. They're, they're going to be up there in the top 10. It's a tough place to go for whatever team. So that's it. They're, they're going to be there. So we need to be, can't be giving goals to these kind of teams because they're going to take them. And unfortunately, we, we're not taking them down the other end. So if, if we're not going to be scoring at the other end, we need to make sure... We're going to be harder to break down at the back, but at the moment we don't have the players to do that. So again, I think it's a combination of match fitness and uh, and just players not linking up with each other. They don't know each other yet. I yeah. think like with um, I think that even it even goes back to maybe last season. I, I think the difficulty for me is is what I've seen so for the three games this year and some of last is if we if we concede first. I, hand on heart, can I see a score of two to get back? Not usually, but I mean today was so different that we were so dominant in getting the creating the chances. I said at half time, I said if we keep playing the way we do, we'll score easily two, at least two. But we just didn't we didn't maintain that that level. Um, the build up play maybe, but the chances we fashioned we didn't. It wasn't really good enough, and um, I just think once we get some players in, it's going to take a couple of weeks for it to bed in, but. Um, I said on Thursday, I'm not really getting too stressed at the moment because I think without the proper pre-season and that, I think it's going to be five, six, seven games until things start really falling into place and people start picking up a bit of form because there's so much stuff that there's so many sort of factors that we that's so different from usual, you know, from usual. Um, and obviously this year you're probably going to have a lot more Saturday Tuesdays and uh, than we usually have. But um, yeah, we just have to go into the next one and. Just write this write this weekend off apart from Friday. I was going to say Friday's the focus, and then let's draw a line under the game because I don't want to be miserable for any longer. Um, and let's hear from Lee Boya, who understandably frustrated after the game, but surprisingly not too miserable and trying to find the positives in the performance. Uh, he'd spoke to the assorted press after the game, and this is what he had to say. Lee, a two-nil defeat at Lincoln today. All your overall views after that. Um, I said to the players, I have to try and take some positives from that. Obviously, the result is not the result that we want, but I think we was by far the better team, by far. 
but if you don't do the right things in both boxes correctly then, then you're going to lose the game we should have been 2-3 up easily before they got their, that, that pan away and okay the first goal should never have been a goal anyways miles offside two yards offside decisions like this, this game I don't know maybe the game's changed but some of them decisions I'm seeing out there today it, it, it's unbelievable it's unbelievable what was going on but they're not they're not at fault, the officials, for for what we do in, in, in the opposition box. We, we can't... Have we not scored? Have we not scored a goal again today? For as long as that keeps happening, you ain't going to win games. It's, it's plain and simple. Keep missing chance after chance after chance. Then they go and get a penalty. And then they go in at one up at half-time when they shouldn't be. And then second half, I thought we was the better side again, second half. But again, we're getting into these great areas. And it's not as if, like, we're not even picking the right pass. We are. But then we're just not finishing. I keep working on finishing a lot. But then you can't control it. When you come to games, you need to have that same coolness. And we ain't, we ain't having that. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a lot of positives from it. Dylan, his first game, uh, first proper league game. I thought there's a lot to lot to be happy with with his performance, his range of passing and awareness and Akin playing centre half, obviously had to bring him off. He, he hasn't played many minutes. So um like I said before, we we'll get stronger and stronger as it goes on, but you can't just be coming away from here with absolutely nothing after that performance. I thought there's a lot of positives from that. We got from box to box very, very well. Moved the ball well. But you, you can't keep doing that, can't keep missing chances. Did the officials explain their decision for, for, the, for the goal? Because from, from up there, I mean, we, we, we were surprised to see it given. It, it doesn't make no sense what they're saying, though. It, it makes no sense. The, the official said, the fourth official said, um, the linesman, because of where he was standing for, for the penalty, he couldn't then get back into the position to give the offside quick enough. So then, if he would have given offside, he would have been guessing. So I said, okay, but I'm telling you, he's two yards offside, so then you've made the wrong decision. So you're guessing that he's onside. Does that not make sense? He's he's taken the penalty, so as he's running forwards, he's struck the penalty, so he's gone beyond the penalty spot. Well, the fella that gets the rebound is just coming into the 18-yard box. And the fella that took the penalty is the one that scored. So it must be offside. Must be. No one can get beyond him who's just taken the penalty quick enough. That's, that's common sense. But he said they, they would have been guessing. So I said, yeah, but if you're saying you would have been guessing, then you must be guessing that he was onside. Because we're telling you he was miles off, not even close, two yards. It's unbelievable. That was the only thing. They, they didn't. I, I didn't even see Ben. Ben didn't have a shot to make in open play, and then we come away with nothing. But some of the decisions, he's stopping the play. We're breaking on them, and then he's stopping the play because someone got one in, 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 like in, 
the nuts. Like you can't. That's not a reason to stop the play. You carry on. If it's a head injury or something serious, I understand. Stops it because he took one in the nuts. Like, are you kidding me? Is that a rule? Like, what's that? It's just, just, just laughable. Some of the decisions that was made there today was laughable. I've never seen nothing like it. It's crazy, crazy. The game must be changing. I don't know. See people diving left, right, and centre, and because someone touches them. Like if someone touches you, he touched him. What? So if you touch someone, that's a foul. It's a contact sport. Please tell me it's not changed from a contact sport. But putting that aside, all that, all that, them decisions, I don't care. What I care about is that we've lost the game, and the way we've lost the game, we we, we have to be more ruthless. But I see a lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of good stuff. And we keep working hard, and we're going to bring in bodies, and it's going to make us better. So yeah, there's there's a lot of positives to take from today. Result no, but a lot of positives. Yeah, you mentioned those positives. Also, you saw a first staff racking and Ben Watson coming off the bench. You, you talk about more bodies coming in. Um, can I ask? I mean, Adam Matthews was a one mentioned a few weeks ago. Is he still in and around it? Has he still got a chance? Yeah, he's, he's in and around it, but um, that's something that we'll pick up early part of next week. Yeah, we'll pick that up early part of next week. We need to bring in a striker. We need to bring in someone that's going to take them chances that we're creating because we can't keep doing that, keep missing chance after chance after chances. But we need someone that's going to finish. And no Albie Morgan today. Obviously, he played last week, but not in the squad today. Is he OK? He's OK, yeah. It's the tactical one. Yeah, it's OK. Okay. Um, obviously, you've got the, the checker trade game in, in midweek coming up and a chance to get some more minutes, I guess, in, into some of those new signings. Yeah, yeah. Benner playing that. Um, got to get some minutes into him. Obviously, he's had no minutes. Today was the first minutes he's had. So, yeah, he's only been in training with us for maybe a couple of weeks. So, that'd be one for him. Some of the younger lads will come back in. So, yeah, I'll make a few changes. Cheers, man. Lee, I was talking to uh, Steve Thompson there for an uh, ex-Charlton player and Lincoln player. And he said, uh, first half, end of the first half, one of the best sides he's seen us going forward, purposeful and, and uh, with great intent, just not converting those chances. Uh, I know it might not seem like cold comfort, of course, but uh, that um, second half performance didn't probably create as many clear-cut chances as we did in the first half. Is that obviously cause for disappointment? Yeah, we didn't create as many, but... I think they just sat deeper and deeper and, and there was less space to, to, to move. Um, they made it really difficult and, and sat on the edge of their box most of the half. And, and we could, but even then, we're getting chances. But a bit more calmness and, and like if you hold it up and you're laying it off, make sure it's the right layoff so then they can finish first time. Just in that in and around that box, we wasn't good enough. And um, that's where we, we need to strengthen Sure. Well, I was going to say that. Does that change your thinking, or is that already partly no, thinking no, as to the that. players you're bringing in? Yeah, yeah I knew that. Um, we, we had someone here, and then he, he went back home because um, things changed in the middle of the week. And that now nah, I'm hoping that we're going to get that back going again, get him into the building next week. So it could be a busy week. Other, other than the, uh, the, the the cup game, we've got Wednesday. It's going to be a busy week for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be. Rest time anyway, so it never is, but yeah, it's going to be a busy week. If anything, I mean, I know the, the, the week we've had and the, the good news we've had on Friday, if anything, does this, I won't say safe from the blow, but at least you know you knew already that, uh, the work that, uh, that needed to be done 
it just uh, magnifies that today, I guess. Yeah, it just uh, the positive thing is now we can start bringing in bodies, and we've done that already. Full acting, I think we've done really well. So, um, but yeah, we the most important thing is that we can strengthen. And um, but the side that was out there today, I thought I thought they'd done some a lot of good things and just didn't get a result that, that we probably deserved. That's our own fault. Can't blame anybody else for that. The officials have done so much, but we just should have still been out of sight in the first half, two, three, in, in my eyes. So, um, but we keep working hard. Cheers. Thank you. So there we go then, Lee Bowyer, uh, not happy about the game being stopped for someone being hit in the nuts, um, but trying to take the positives out of the game. Benji, how worried are you about, about back-to-back defeats or like we've spoken about, with the chances we created, with what happened on Friday, with the new signings coming in, are you focused on the positives? Yeah, totally for me, mate. I'm I'm not worried at the moment. Um, I'm worried that we we look a little bit rusty again up top. I mean, look, that's that's what relegated us last season. We just couldn't finish our chances. So we need to act fast with that because... As Bowie has said on many occasions, everyone's after a striker because everyone needs a striker to score you 15 to 20 goals a season. That's what gets you promoted, the goals. And we had that with Lyle, um, getting him on a free. So now we need to press ahead and, and get another striker in, whether that striker is a proven striker to push Bon ahead to what we really think he can do. I mean... At the moment, I've been disappointed. He scored that really good goal against uh, Swindon in the first game in the uh, League Cup. But after that, he doesn't look um, the same striker that we saw towards the end of last season, who looked quite sharp. Um, so that that's something that needs addressing. But look, we need, we need players in in every position at the moment, particularly a right-back, uh, particularly centre-backs. Um, but just competition, competition for places. As Nave said earlier... We do look good in the centre of midfield. Unfortunately, I think we've missed a big player today in Alex Gilby. I thought he played really well last week. We missed a player in Chucks as well, a player who came on and looked really good at Swindon. Uh, I think he featured in both the goals when he came on to give us a win. Uh, Hopefully he's better and well to play again this week against Brighton. But yeah, not too downhearted at the moment. Definitely not. You look at teams in the championships like Nottingham Forest and Derby who are are without uh, zero points in three games. Uh, So it's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. But you look at a team uh, that we got promoted with a couple of years ago, we're nowhere near that level. So we need to act. Uh, we've, We've got time to do that now. We've got the funds there we've got the owner there so hopefully now we can be positive because yeah as you said we don't want to end this show on negative terms i think today was always going to be a tough game but look let's look ahead to the future now try and get bodies in try and get these new boys up to scratch like watson and akin femwo and uh yeah hopefully chucks can come back into the team as well and um yeah let's look positively ahead because this is definitely some positive times now we're looking forward to Excellent stuff. And just before we move on to tweets and emails, focusing on on another positive, Nath, you you talked about the midfield controlling large parts of that game. I thought, mm. in particular, Ostuma and and Dylan Levitt, in particular, some of the balls he was spraying around in that first half. Uh, Benji mentioned Gilby there when he's back fit. Chucks, you'd think in the middle of the park we, we've got some some positives there. Certainly, looking forward and a midfield that should be able to dominate a lot of teams at this level. 
Yeah, I don't know who um I don't know who Levitt is. I know Perlo played in the middle, but um I think it was <laughs> Dylan Perlo, I think it was. But no, he was unbelievable. I mean at first he was playing the first all five minutes he was a bit safe, which was understandable, but then when he got his range of passing in, there was Three balls over the top. They were unbelievable. The, you know, the, the the corner routine. He tried having a pop. Um, but yeah, I think, like you say, I think the central midfield position's fine. Um, I still think seven. I think you need two right backs, a right side centre-half, a left back, a striker. And I think we need two wingers because I think we're relying too much on, on Alfie um, for me. Um, I just think we just lack a bit of pace. Uh, and options really. I mean, if you looked at the bench today, there weren't really much to change it. I know Johnny's a flair player, but you can't just rely on Johnny to change a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dylan, yeah, Dylan Perlow was unbelievable today, and he can be tell he could be a very good player, very good player, and um, and yeah, and I can find we had a good game. But um, yeah, no, it's good. In, in, like once Chucks comes back. Um, we've got a lot of options in there, which would be nice. So if 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 he if Bose wants to play the diamond, he can. If he wants to change it up and goes for t- two wingers to go either side of um, Maka, but the problem is with a striker like Benji was saying, to get proven strikers in this country, you're going to pay top dollar, and it depends on what budget Thomas has given him. Um, you can probably get proven strikers from other countries around the world, but. Um, yeah, we we'll just have to wait and see because I'm sure they've got their eyes on, on on a couple. But yeah, no, some good positive performances. And um, but yeah, Dylan Dylan was a very standout for me. Very 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 good player. There you go, then, Mr. Sangard. If you're listening, we've only got a few days left of the transfer window, but Nath wants seven players and spending big money, please. Um, let's move on to some of your tweets and emails. Uh, John Munn tweeted in, said proof we need some players. Rome wasn't built in a day, and hopefully we can get some in before the end of the transfer window. Awful officiating too, but then that's fairly standard, which I think we all agree with. Uh, Dan Partridge tweets in, thought Bond was particularly irrelevant. Benji referenced that uh, a little bit earlier as well. Pete AFC, we can't lose these matches, never mind the poor refereeing. Should have been up at 3-1 in the first half. Uh, again, questioning Maka when on the ball. Um, Ian Catley saying so much Deadwood in the team Bon, Deji, JFC, Aussie, Williams, Purrington all never going to be good enough need to start again Benji I'll bring you in there I mean there's some big names in there the likes of Jake Forster, Kasky, Oztuma, Williams we've just spoken about us thinking the midfield is, is pretty solid Ian Catley disagreeing there what do you make of that? I was quite surprised to see um, JFC not playing today actually when he came on I, I thought he played well at, uh, last week um, so I, w- I can't say, I wouldn't say he's Deadwood. I mean, with, with JFC, I think he's a player that's obviously suffered with his injuries over the last few seasons. Um, or Zuma, I can't, I can't say he's Deadwood. Um, as Nave said earlier, I thought he had a good game. He's someone that hasn't been given the opportunity in a long time. And when, when was the last time he started a game? Um, and I, I think he was unlucky with a couple chances. I mean, I remember one he took from left foot to right foot. And their, their guy got a good block, otherwise that was going in. Uh, it is hard. Look, we all react uh, early on in the season uh, when, when things aren't going well, when, we, when you see a bad game. Uh, are these players the answers? Well, they haven't got much competition behind them at the moment. So they'll start up in their game, as Boya said, and when the competition arrives, and then we'll see their true selves. So it's early doors. Don't forget, with a lot of teams, we haven't had much for a pre-season either. So... Teams aren't performing at their best, but you need to, 
work out wins in nitty gritty ways and the best you can. And we're not doing that at the moment because we're not taking our chances. Uh, so look, let's see how these players do after 10, 12 games before we can judge them just like that. Excellent stuff. Um, Daniel Basham, disappointing second half, unsurprising, looking at the squad, but keep the faith. Uh, the poster cabin, yes, the officials were bad, but we shouldn't have to rely on them. We need to be clinical and start converting our shots. Uh, Boyer and the boys have got this. I think we largely agree with that. Uh, Mark, not surprised. Hope the positivity from the takeover would get us the win. Boyer's right. We still need half a dozen. So if just five, whereas Nath wants seven. Uh, decent signings. If you want to get promoted back at the first time of asking, still finishing the week smiling and optimistic, which is very much what we're trying to do on this show. Uh, Tom, the refs were poor, but doesn't excuse the performance today, which is, again is what we've said. Uh, Bond looked uninterested and Deji's pass to Amos led directly to their goal. Hopefully new signings will kick us into gear. Um, got a few more. Uh, Tom Vanderpeer, as an ex-referee, I found the decision shocking. It's basing stuff for an assistant. You're the eyes for the referee. If you can't get that right, how have you made it to the list of assistant referees? And we have to say we think maybe the linesman was still making his way back from the penalty, uh, watching the penalty. Uh, Cass looked excited and rejuvenated by the takeover first half, but the penalty flattened us and we didn't recover. Awful second half. Bonds had plenty of time to prove himself and for me isn't good enough. Not deserving of our number nine shirt. Reliable goal scorer needed. Something we've discussed a lot in recent weeks. Um, Paul Evans, poor second half, poor officiating. Uh, K Valley, re really poor performance. If a decent offer comes for Bon, uh, take the money and reinvest. Uh, lots of similar comments from lots of people. I'll just bring in a comment from Garmy Head Chef saying, uh, Mark Newbury, of course, uh, occasionally on this podcast, hoping we get Matthews back to shore up the defence uh, and maybe a loan of a striker from the Premier League, uh, one of the kids maybe from one of the teams. We've been lucky in loans over the past few years and I have faith in Gallon picking one. Yeah, I know Adam Matthews was certainly someone that we wanted to get back. Um, so we'll wait and see if that happens. Uh, we'll move on to your emails. I don't think we're going to get through them all because the show is already comfortably over an hour long, but we will try and run through a few. And thank you so much for getting in touch. But we've had, understandably, so many in the wake of the week we've had. First one that came in was from Thomas van der Peer, who we've just heard from on Twitter. Uh, hey guys, what a Friday that was. What a relief. I'm sure I'm not the only one that will say this, but I can see a future now for our club. Thomas Sangard has installed belief back into us, belief that our club has a future. And I, for one, am really looking forward to what that brings. But whilst we celebrate our new custodian, let's not forget the reason why we were in such a mess in the first place. EFL still need to be held accountable for everything that's happened and not just to us. EFL need to change the way they govern. They need to protect clubs more. We must continue to make our voices heard. And that's a good point. And we've seen that in recent weeks, the Charlton family pulling together for other clubs. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to clubs, particularly now that fans aren't being let in for the foreseeable future. Um, so fingers very firmly crossed in that department for sure. Uh, Elizabeth Edwins, uh, thank you for your email, Elizabeth. At last, some fantastic news. Makes all those tweets, letters to my MP, protests and tears worth it. You boys have kept us going with your podcasts and commentaries. Well done and thank you. At last, a chance to celebrate. Thanks for your email, Liz. And as you say, letters to your MP, protests. We spoke earlier about how the Charlton family really have pulled together to try and get this deal over the line. Uh, Dominic Richardson, thank you for your email, Dominic. Uh, it's wonderful to be feeling ecstatic about Charlton Live for the first time in a long while. Of course, there's a long way to go, but if the Sangard era goes to plan, it could be quite something, especially with Lee at the helm. 
what a story it would be if Lee did manage to get us into the Prem. Well, we heard from Lee that that's certainly what he wants to do. Feel a bit sorry for that none of this could have happened in Chrissy Powell's era, but delighted it has now. Have to say, though, Thomas Sangard talking several times about European football is hard to get my head around. Would be quite something, but would we remain the same club that is Charlton if we did up playing European football regularly? He does say I'm getting a bit of my head of myself. I don't think we need to worry about that just yet, but it could be something that in a few years we can start to think about if we're lucky. Uh, Tony Virgo, bad performance today overall, so this is on the game. Uh, of course, patience is needed, and I'm not too bothered about the season as a whole right now. Biggest concern is the centre-half position. Deji just isn't good enough at centre-half, and I'm not sure where he's best played. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Nath, I'll bring you in here just to talk about Deji. We had a couple of tweets on that as well. And obviously the mistake is going to single him out for criticism in this game. But just in general, he's going to have to have a bigger part this season at the moment because of the numbers we've got. What have you made of his chart and career, if we can call it that to date, and the, and the performances he's had? Um, it's difficult because I, th- I think there is a decent cause a decent player in there. I think when we used to play Wimbledon, um, he was a good good physical presence. Uh, I think the difficulty, if there's any uh, sympathy, if you can call that for Deji, is I think he's not really had a continued settled position. So to speak, I know last year he's he played centre back a couple of times, right back a couple of times. Um, I think he played in defensive midfield one or twice, once or twice when he first came in, um, and he's not really been settled in, um, in in a certain eleven. If you can give him that as you know as a as a sympathy, but I think the thing is for me, which I think Bo alluded to last week, is because there's no competition for places, people can get complacent. Believe it or not, you can. Um, I think if someone comes in, which is one of my seven. <laughs> Um, it puts competition. So, I mean, if you've got Akin Fenwo, uh, PSC, Deji and one other, if you don't perform... So, if, the, if, if, you, if we had someone else in, I'd be surprised if Deji played in the next game because it's a soft goal to give away. He was under no real real pressure, um, lack of concentration. It's given a goal, goal away and the game's dead then. The game's gone. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Um, I think League One is probably his level. Um, but... I just, I just think he just needs to be a bit of a kick up the bum with another signing, really. But um, I don't think he's a poor player. Um, but I just think we need competition for places so people can focus a lot more. Like the midfield, we've said you've got loads of competition now, um, and you can see that because we played well there. Again, strikers we're light, wingers we've got one. We well, Washington's really a winger, really a winger come striker. He, He's a bit of both, so I just think competitions will probably will help ev- all those positions and make people really fight for their place. Excellent stuff. Uh, just a couple more before we wrap up. Uh, we had a message in from Phil Cullum on uh, Twitter. A momentous week off the pitch. A new owner who certainly looks and sounds what we have been desperately looking for. Good times are hopefully around the corner. However, on the pitch, still a complete mess, he says. I don't know if we would go that far, but certainly not a good performance today. Uh, a back four that are clearly not good enough, even with the addition uh, of young Famewo. A midfield that clearly, uh, that although look good on paper, don't contribute enough goals, which is certainly something I think I would agree with. And a front three, all of which should be coming off the bench and not starting. Thomas, Boya and Gallen have got a busy couple of weeks ahead. Uh, and finally, may I send my condolences to Steve Clark's family. He'll be sadly missed by the Charlton family. And we absolutely echo those thoughts. 
an email from Steve McLennan. Happy takeover weekend, guys. Uh, the first half was decent. Really impressed by Levitt, or Pirlo, as Nathan's rechristened him, and Famewo on the ball. Uh, he is like an upgrade on Naby, and Dylan moved the ball nicely. Can't bring myself to talk about the ref and his decisions, uh, but he went to the Mike Dean School of Arrogance when refing. Uh, the biggest problem with the team right now is the lack of character. If we concede first, we're done. Something, Nathan, you mentioned earlier, and something we've referenced a few times. Whether it's the personnel or the mental after effects uh, of relegation, it needs to be addressed. And hopefully the rumoured seven or eight signings, uh, Nathan will be pleased with that, uh, will add some steel and a fresh air of confidence. Bon was abject again, and to me, him and Alfie look like they've had their heads turned. But who really cares? All that matters is Sangard is in, uh, ESI are out, and hopefully we can stop fearing for our club and that constant knot in our stomach disappears. Let's dare to dream and be positive again. I have faith in Thomas and Lee being able to give us a club to be proud of, even if the results on the pitch aren't instant. Come on, you Reds. Great email. Thank you, Steve. And lastly, Derek Tuffley. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Predictably disappointing result and performance following the highs of Friday's takeover. Did you let Lee Bowyer and the team hear Thursday's show? The Lincoln journalist you interviewed said if we play keep ball, we'll play into their hands. So what do we do? We played keep ball unbelievably slowly until there was no space and ended up lumping it forward anyway. Apart from some early incisiveness with Levitt picking out forward runs, we settled too easily into a keep it safe mentality, which allowed Lincoln to sit back, mark tight and pick off our long balls. Uh, What the broadcast doesn't show is forwards making run after run to give players in possession options. When the ball doesn't come, as increasingly it didn't, they stop making those runs. The balls forward become more desperate and hopeful. It'll be interesting to see who comes through the door to shake things up. Good to be talking about football again. And I do agree with that, although it's a shame to end on a relatively negative uh, review of that performance. But to be honest, there wasn't much positives to take from today's performance against Lincoln. But there was positives to take from this weekend. A weekend which saw Thomas Sangard rid the club of ESI and take control of Charlton Athletic. And hopefully we have a bright future ahead. Um, I hope we've done our best to get all of your emails and tweets in. And I think we'll wrap up the show there. So thank you everyone who's got in touch. Uh, it's been a, a momentous weekend in Charlton's history and hopefully the positives are coming soon on the horizon. Uh, Nath and Benji, thank you very much for being on the show this evening. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. Brilliant stuff. We'll be back on Thursday to look ahead to next weekend. But for now, uh, from me and, and the guys, it's good night and uh, have a lovely end of your weekend and a week positive under the new ownership of Thomas Sangard. Good night, everyone.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.